Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text this Sunday, the first after Christmas, is the Old Testament reading, 2 Samuel chapter 7. In the Gospel reading today, we heard about the events that happened 40 days after our Lord's birth. In keeping with His Word, Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus up to the temple in Jerusalem. This visit was for the purification of Mary from her childbirth and for the dedication of Jesus as their firstborn son to the Lord. It is written, St. Luke reminded us, Every male that first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. It was then that Simeon took Jesus up in his arms, blessed God, knowing that he could now die in peace, having seen the Messiah. These events are celebrated in the church as a holiday called the Purification of Mary and Presentation of Our Lord. It falls every year on February 2nd, 40 days after Christmas, which this coming year will also be the Transfiguration. Simeon took Jesus up in his arms, knowing that he could depart in peace because Jesus is the promised offspring of David. The Lord promised David in our text an offspring from his own body who would sit on the throne and reign forever. That promised king is Jesus, Simeon confessed, and the kingdom he rules over is the church. Here, Christ reigns over us in truth, mercy, love, and grace. Our Old Testament reading this week takes place during the reign of King David, as we heard. It happened shortly after he began to reign from Jerusalem. The backstory here is that after Saul died, the Lord told David it was time for him to be king, only from a town called Hebron and not from Jerusalem, the capital. David reigned in Hebron for about seven years until the inhabitants of Jerusalem came to him. They recognized that he had been chosen by the Lord and promised to submit to him as their king. From then on, David reigned in Jerusalem for about 33 years. When he came up to Jerusalem, he brought with him the Ark of the Covenant and built a tent for it to dwell in. Now, here comes the start of our text, 2 Samuel chapter 7. The king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. You have to read between the lines a little bit, but essentially David recognized an inequality here. He lived in a big house of cedar, but the ark of God which housed the, the Ten Commandments, the manna, and Aaron's budded staff, the Ark of God stayed in a tent. 
David wanted to build a temple fitting for God. It was a good desire, as Nathan recognized, but God had a better plan. He said to David, through Nathan, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? The Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish his kingdom forever. In short, rather than David building a house for God, which at best can only be impermanent, temporary, the Lord is going to build him a house which will last forever. Now, this word house can mean a few things. Many times in Scripture, it's used as a, a synonym for the temple. So if you've ever been to a burial from one of our congregations, often I read Psalm 122 at the graveside, and it goes like this, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord in the psalm means the temple, or for us, here, church. Yet the word house can also be used for a family, a lineage, a, a kingdom, perhaps. This is part of what makes prophecy fun, is prophecies such as this one in our text can sometimes have more than one fulfillment. For example, we know from our Sunday school lessons that David was not the one to build the temple. It was his son, Solomon. Solomon built the temple. David gathered supplies. He did a lot of the planning. But the temple was actually built during Solomon's reign. And David knew that this would be the case. He told Solomon in 1 Chronicles 22, My son, the Lord be with you so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord your God as he has spoken concerning you. As great as building the temple was, and as wise as Solomon was, his reign did not last forever. Though the Lord treated Solomon as a son, disciplining and forgiving him as a kind father, Solomon was at times more of a wayward son. This is where God's promise stretches beyond Solomon to something else, someone else. St. Matthew's Gospel begins like this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. The blind man, Bartimaeus in Jericho, he called out to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
Gabriel, when he was sent to Mary, told her this, the Lord God will give to Jesus the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. What God promised to David in 2 Samuel 7 finds its true fulfillment in Christ and the kingdom that he builds. But what is that kingdom? This is the question that Pilate had to consider, isn't it? Remember what Jesus said to Pilate. My kingdom is not of this world. No, the kingdom which Jesus brings and which lasts forever is not an earthly kingdom. It is a heavenly kingdom in rule. It is the church. The church is the kingdom Christ founded, which cannot be shaken, which is eternal in the heavens. It is invisible, encompassing Christians throughout time and space, though it will soon be seen by all at Christ's return. In this kingdom, Christ reigns forever because he is forever. He is the one who created all that exists. Not one thing that exists came into being apart from his hand, not even us. Yet for our sake he became and is, as we are, flesh and blood. He was conceived born. He submitted himself to the law for us, even shedding his blood for us when he was circumcised on the eighth day. By his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, Jesus established a kingdom that will not end, his kingdom of grace. Not only did he establish this kingdom, but he has brought us into it. As we heard on Christmas, we receive all the blessings of Christ by our baptism into him. Through that same washing, we are severed from the kingdom of the devil and planted in Christ. When we receive the Lord's Supper together, we partake of the victory feast now happening in heaven and which will reach full glory on the last day. In the kingdom of which we are now a part, we have the continual and free forgiveness of our sins. As our confirmation students have just learned, in this kingdom, the Holy Spirit daily and richly forgives our sins and the sins of all believers. Lastly, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In a way, Jesus comments on what was promised to David, an eternal kingdom. Though devils all the world should fill, we tremble not. The kingdom to which we belong is not some earthly power that rises or falls, but the holy church of God in Christ. Here we have the forgiveness of sins, and where there is no sin, 
There is no death. And so when it is time for us to depart, we will with Simeon die in peace. For we are citizens of an eternal kingdom that extends beyond the grave into the new creation. This kingdom is the church. Our king is Christ, and he reigns forever, just as he promised David. It says in Hebrews, Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.